Welcome to this BMJ Open podcast. I'm Dr. Alison Walker, an Associate Editor at BMJ Open. And I'm going to talk today with Jeanette Turner from the University of Sheffield about a paper published in BMJ Open on the impact of the urgent care telephone service, NHS 111, during its first year of operation at four pilot sites in England. So then, Jeanette, maybe we should start with what is NHS 111? Okay. Um, NHS 111 has been introduced to try and make access for people who need urgent health care easier. Um, the Department of Health have done quite a lot of work over a long period of time looking at problems around this area and particularly when you talk to people who try to access um, urgent care in particular rather than emergency care, they often find the process very confusing because there's lots of different doorways they can go through. They can call their GP, they can call an out-of-hours service, they can call NHS Direct, they can take themselves to a minor injuries unit or a a walk-in centre. And so the idea of NHS 111 was that there'd be a single telephone number, easy to remember, free to use, and essentially people could call it and their, their problem would be assessed and then they'd be directed to the right service that they needed for their particular problem. Okay. And so what was your thinking then when you decided to do this study? The, um, the the study was commissioned by the Department of Health because some decisions had already been made as a as a, a sort of move forward with policy that um, one of the things that needed to be done was to try and improve access for urgent care and make it easier. So um, the initial idea was set up um, by the Department of Health. Um, some Sites were chosen because they essentially volunteered but were already looking at trying to develop this idea of single points of access to try and help people um, get towards the right care. Um, So they set it up but initially decided it would just be tried out in a few areas to really assess um, both the impact uh, that it would have, but also what people who use the service might think about it. Um, So four pilot sites were identified, and uh, having identified those sites, the Department of Health then asked us if we would design, set up, and carry out um, quite a, a complex evaluation looking at different aspects of providing this new service. Okay, and did you have any hypothesis at all going in uh, as to what it might uh, impact it might have well the 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 hypotheses were really um around what the intended service objectives were so um they included um a making access easier for people so that was one of the things we looked at does it make access easier for people um, another was that it should improve efficiency in the emergency and urgent care system by essentially directing people to the right place. So whereas um, if people are confused, they might call 999 for something that's not an emergency. By having the alternative of 111, you could take some of that pressure off and um, essentially direct people to the, the, the type of service they needed. So, uh, so our hypotheses were around could those objectives um, be achieved um, 
do people like the service and think it's useful and, it, and that it does direct them to the right place? Does it make the emergency and urgent care system more efficient by directing um, sort of um, non-emergencies or, or, or less urgent calls to the appropriate level of care? Um, and in the process of doing that, does it relieve some of the pressure on, for example, emergency departments and emergency ambulance services? So those were the, the, the main well, things we looked at. We also looked at essentially whether it would be a cost-effective way of, of doing things. And so you selected some control sites to match up with these four pilot sites, didn't you? We did, yes. Um, so the control sites were um, identified to try and be as similar as we could in terms of the populations. What you have to remember is the NHS 11 is a call handling service that covers a, a population. It's not just a, a, a service in its own right. It's linked in to all the other the emergency and urgent care services in that geographical area. So we tried to... Um, uh, find control sites that essentially exhibited the same types of characteristics as our NHS 111 pilot sites in terms of things like population numbers, um, age profiles, deprivation indices, th those types of yeah. things, so that they could be matched as, close as closely as we could. Okay, and then how did you go about collecting your data? You did some uh, prior to this service being introduced as well as collecting it in the control site, is that right? Well, we, we used uh, essentially routine data. Mm -hmm. What we did was um, for both the control sites and our, our pilot sites, we looked at activity and use of the emergency and urgent care system um, across a, a range of services for two years uh, before the NHS 111 pilot sites went live and then for another year afterwards so we could see what happened during the first full year of operation of those sites. And um, in terms of looking at the impact on the system, which is what this paper reports, we looked at um, emergency department attendances, calls to the 999 ambulance service, um, the number of incidents that ambulances actually responded to, particularly out-of-hours, uh, urgent primary care, so GP out-of-hours, walk-in centres, minor injuries units, um, urgent care centres, and also, of course, NHS Direct, because that's a, another access point that people can go to for urgent care. Okay. And so what did you find? I mean, how many calls were there to NHS 111 during that year? During that first year, there was just over 400,000 calls. Uh, and um, just under 300,000 of those were actually triaged by the non-clinical call handlers that actually make an assessment of the call and then direct people to the right service. Um, and that covered a population of about 1.8 million people. Okay. And then the key thing was then, what was the estimated effect it had on those other emergency and urgent care services? We analysed in two ways. Mm -hmm. um, one was to look at 
the individual pilot sites and uh, the, the trends in activity for the different services in those. But as essentially, this is going to be a national service, uh, and to make that analysis more robust, the the results we've presented in this paper are the combined results. So we've put all the pilot sites together, uh, all the data from the pilot sites together, so it would reflect what a national service would look like, and then all the control um, sites together. And essentially, overall, we found, uh, you know, the obvious thing was one of the most significant changes was a reduction in calls to NHS Direct. Um, but you'd expect that because NHS 111 is essentially uh, starting to and will eventually replace NHS Direct um, altogether. We found in terms of statistical significance, there wasn't um, any change in attendances at emergency departments or uh, for out-of-hours primary care. But what we did find was there was a statistically significant increase in activity or attendances, calls that required an attendance by the ambulance service. And that really was sort of in the opposite direction to the intended purpose of the service. Yeah, and were you surprised by that? Yeah, I suppose we were a bit surprised. We weren't expecting it necessarily to be significant, but of course, if you talk to other people, they'd say, well, that might be predicted. So, But what we did was establish that, in fact, that was indeed what was happening. Yeah. So, and of course, one of the options um, as part of the assessment process for NHS 111 is that, um, and one of the advantages of it in one way is that they can um, directly send calls to an ambulance service dispatch queue without having to re-triage or reassess that call um, and essentially once they've sent it across it goes for a, an immediate ambulance ambulance response um, and so um, what that suggested was rather than directing people to lower levels of urgent care, um, one of the things that was happening with NHS 111 was that um, a proportion of calls were actually going across to the ambulance service, probably more than people were expecting or hoping for. Yes. So the overall implications then, how, how have your findings had an impact or made a difference? One of the problems with doing this type of policy research is that while you're doing it, policy changes. So when this was uh, set up um, as four pilot sites to test it and then make a decision about whether to roll it out as a national service, once we got started, there was a change of government and a policy decision was made very early on that it would be rolled out as a national service. And so that was starting to happen already while our evaluation was going on. So in that respect, it certainly didn't slow things down or, or stop things. But I think um, one of the things it has helped to do is that now more sites are live. It's um, acknowledged and brought to the fore this particular problem with the pressure um, that it's uh, likely to have and would appear to be having on ambulance services. And that means that that can then become a focus for how people can look at this service in the future and where um, changes may need to be made to try and manage that process a bit better.
Yes, which might in fact be an aspect of the software used or if that possibility of the transferring the call directly to the ambulance service wasn't there, it might be triaged differently. Is that what you're saying? It, it might be. Um, one of the problems might be that um, the way NHS 111 operates is a little bit different to NHS Direct. So whereas with NHS Direct, a large proportion of the calls get assessed by nurses, um, these calls are assessed by non-clinical call handlers. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't do the job. The 999 Ambulance Service um, has done it for many years very successfully. And in fact, NHS Pathways, which is the triage system used for NHS 111, is also used in some services to triage um, 999 calls to the ambulance service. But because it's different, particularly in terms of rolling, rolling it out nationally, there is a big new workforce of people that have needed to be trained oh, yeah. to be able to, to do this job. And in the pilot sites, maybe in some ways they had more time to do that because there was a long process of them being set up, whereas once it was a national policy decision, people had to start moving very quickly. And of course, the, the numbers are very big. So one of the issues might be around particularly this new workforce, which doesn't mean in the long term necessarily they won't be able to do it but in the short term um, they may for example be quite um, risk averse while they're while the services and the systems are maturing and people are gaining confidence and, and getting experience so that may change over time um, and of course we only all the sites um, used NHS pathways so we've only looked at one triage system and what we don't know is if you used a different triage system whether in fact the same thing would happen. Yes I see so with some maturing um, and bedding in of this service then in fact we might see things change. They might and also once you recognise that uh, there is a potential issue like for example is the greater number of calls going to the ambulance service than people expected a problem? Are the ways that that can be managed, you know, either in terms of staff training or, or more clinical oversight to, and so some services, I know, for example, have put double checks in whenever a call uh, goes for uh, an ambulance response. So um, once you become aware of a problem, you can start looking at ways of trying to mitigate that. I think what, uh, what our work did was establish that there was, um, you know, a real risk of a potential problem there and, and an impact for ambulance services. And that was something that services as they were rolling out and as they're developing now really need to look at very carefully and manage very carefully. Okay, well, many thanks, Jeanette, for speaking on this podcast. And um, if you'd like to find out more about the paper, then please go to BNJ Open.